and welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. I am your co-host, Lizzie. And I am your other co-host, Stacia. And we are here to share all things wellness weirdness with you beautiful people. And today is going to be the very exciting and much anticipated Mm, mm, mm. part two of our series on codependency. And today is going to be a little bit more uplifting and hopefully fill you with a little bit more hope if this is something that you're noticing is in your life, but that there is healing that is possible. And I'm so excited to share the tools and the resources that I have found in and through my recovery that really has saved my life. Yay. And real quick, if you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous episode because it will educate you on so many things about what codependency is, Stacia's own journey, and then why we're doing part two right now. So if we're talking and you're like, I don't think I listened to that episode, stop, go back and listen, come join us when you're ready. It's worth it. (laughs) We will be here for you. So Stacia, when we left off, you were talking about going into 12-step meetings for codependency and kind of what led you there. So what led you there? What's it like being in recovery? (laughs) So like I had mentioned in the previous episode, it obviously was a lifetime culmination that brought me to that point. But, you know, we all kind of have our rock bottom or the thing that is kind of just where we wake up and realize enough is enough. And I think that that's very common in anybody that has entered into any type of recovery program. And that's literally the first step, which is admitted that we were powerless over others and that our lives had become unmanageable. So that is the very first step in Mm. recovery. And I had gotten to a point where my life had become tremendously unmanageable. (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I was not okay continuing with things going the way that they were going. I was just like, I have had enough of this suffering and I don't want to suffer anymore. And so actually shout out to this lovely soul and it makes me so happy for Instagram because when I moved to St. Louis to be in this relationship, this girl had reached out to me in my DMs and she was like, hey, I've just read about your story and your partner's story. And I think that like I relate to so much of what you guys have gone through because we were both pretty transparent, my partner especially, about what he had gone through in his own journey because actually at the time he was in a recovery program as well. So I think interesting him being in a 12-step program definitely opened up my eyes to it. But this girl reaching out to me and telling me that she felt very called to reach out to me and that she had had a similar journey. And so we actually met up and got coffee when I got to St. Louis and we ended up talking for hours and she told me all about her relationship and the 12 step programs that she was in. And I just found it so encouraging and enlightening. And it kind of just gave me that little bit extra strength to be brave enough to go because I remember texting her and she was so sweet and open. And she was even like, Hey, if you want me to go with you. Like she was just Mm. super supportive. And I was like, no, okay, I can do this. And it was after New Year's and uh, January 2019. Was that, does that make sense? It would have been 2019 because 2018 like just ended. Okay. That makes sense. I was trying to figure this out. (laughs) I was like, I've been in recovery for 15 months. So whatever the math is on that. Help me. Help me. I know. Also, we're like in quarantine and like who knows (laughs) where we are, what's (laughs) happening. I don't know. Exactly. And so if you are somebody that for looking for recovery for anything, may I encourage you to check out 
the resources and the meetings that are available to you. I had to go to multiple meetings before I found one that felt like a good fit and that felt like something Mm. that I wanted to be a part of. And like, you had to kiss a few frogs before you found the one that was, at least I did, to find a meeting that was a good fit. So it's not necessarily one of those things where you show up at a meeting and all of a sudden you're like, yay, like it's okay (laughs) if you have to explore other meetings. But I remember texting her beforehand and I was like, so what, do I just go? Like, what do I do? And she was just really encouraging. Yeah. And I eventually found a meeting that I was like, oh, I like this. I like there's certain people here that share and it makes total sense to me. And it helps give me a sense of, OK, I can do this. There's hope and there's tools available to me. And so I just ended up starting going to regular meetings and it was really encouraging. And I did start to see improvements in my life from going to meetings. And it has been a very, very long process. Like I said, I've been in recovery for 15 months now and it's been full of ups and downs. And like within my recovery, I certainly I don't I don't joke about it, but it's just very interesting that like when you think of people that are in AA or NA or SA, whatever, if it's for drugs, alcohol, et cetera. I'm like, okay, you have like this milestone marker of sobriety, Mm -hmm. but recovering from codependency, there's no like, I have been sober from codependency. Like it is something that you are. And again, it's not like to compare and be like, we have it easier or they have it easier. No, it's just different. It's not as easy to see. Yeah, it's been hard to conceptualize. So a huge part of my recovery has been celebrating even the tiniest of wins because that's what you need to remember to keep going. And so I feel really fortunate to have found a support group. And I think support groups are an amazing free resource that you can utilize and it definitely I mean it led me down a path and it's so funny because sometimes I get discouraged about the relationship that I was in for the last two years because it was really really hard Mm. and it took a serious toll on my mental well-being but yeah girl it also brought me to recovery and it brought me to some really important people in my life. And without having moved to St. Louis, like I was in St. Louis when I entered into recovery and when I found my sponsor and the girl that got co-sponsored with me. So it's kind of just felt like divine intervention that led me to there because I wouldn't be where I'm at in recovery if it hadn't been for them. So a huge part of my recovery, and I think it's one that a lot of people are like afraid to do is it's like, okay, I go to meetings and like going to meetings makes me feel better. Like I get to hear other people share their struggle, their strength, their hope, like it's all good, but then they won't take the action to work the steps. And so they tend to stay pretty stuck. So I would encourage you if you are doing any work on recovery of any type or just work on yourself. Yes. Taking the action to implement what you're learning is like for sure the scariest part, but it's where the change and the magic happens. I definitely would encourage you to actually commit to doing the work. And again, that doesn't mean that you're like always a rock star at recovery. Like, No, <laughs> nobody's always a rock star at anything. You brought up a really good point that I want to like come back to. Of You said that you had to like shop around a bit. And that's something that I get asked about a lot because I'm pretty transparent about like I take <laughs> antidepressants and um, anti-anxiety meds. And so, you know, like finding a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever, like you often do really have to shop around to find one that fits for you. But 
also often when you're making that step, I feel like is when you've hit kind of your breaking point when you're like, I need help. I need something else. And so it can be very discouraging to finally be like seeking help and keep running up against maybe a meeting or a therapist or whatever who doesn't really fit what you're looking for. So what advice do you have or tips for people? Because you you mentioned you did really shop around for groups Mm -hmm. that were right for you. So how do you you know, if you were talking to someone, how would you encourage them to keep looking for that right resource? I mean, it's hard because such a huge part, especially if you're struggling with codependency, is not trusting yourself. So like, yeah, you might feel like, oh, and also settling. So like, you might be Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not going to find a better meeting or like, I won't be able to find a better resource. So I should just stick with this one. And so just encourage you to check in with yourself, because I do think you will know when it's right. And again, it may not be perfect. So it's not like you're going to find the perfect meeting, right? I would say if you're going to a meeting and you find that there is one person there that speaks some truth that speaks to your soul, that that's worth coming back for because that person can end up having a big impact on your life. And so that can really help me. And then don't get discouraged because you know what, maybe when you went to the meeting that day, it just wasn't the time for you yet. And maybe it's in six months you revisit and you either go to the same meeting or you go to a different meeting and you feel encouraged to stick around. Everybody's journey is going to be different. And so I would just say to stay persistent and open and receptive to where the universe is trying to guide you because Mm. it's taking you good places if you open up your eyes and look. Such a good point. Yeah, I just feel like that's something that I get asked about a lot. No, it's a really good question. And it's, you know, I feel like I've really lucked out with like my psychiatrist I've been seeing for seven years now I've been nice. here for like a while but she was the first one I went to and it just worked out really well like therapists I've had to shop around for a lot but I I know and feel what it's like when you're like looking for help or like looking for other resources and it can be really hard and it's scary it's scary well and like you have the whole added like for me this gives me so much anxiety of like being in a group and seeing a lot of people and then talking about like your feelings and uh-huh. like so I can only imagine how hard it could be to like be shopping around for a support group or the right recovery group so I just like props to you for doing that and I think that people will really appreciate your advice on how to keep looking because it's so hard when you just keep running into the wrong things and you're in a low place and you're just like I'm trying here you know I'm like really trying yeah and there are a lot of other great resources again I'll link up a book Melody Beattie's guide to the 12 steps before I even worked the steps or was that deep into my recovery I read through the entire book and I was obsessed with it because it really gave me so much hope Because I would get to the part where she would talk about recovery and I would be like, oh my God, I need that for my life. I want that for my life. That is it. This is what I'm fighting for. So reminding yourself why you are there, why you want to show up and what your reason for wanting recovery is for yourself. Like just hold on to that because it will take you far. Stacia, so many like quotable, like I just want to print out everything (laughs) that you said and like put it on a poster and like plaster my office with them. I was just going to add again, I was in a really fortunate position and I will say twofold. Number one, I was in a very fortunate position, but I also 
was very proactive in my recovery. So it's not like my sponsor just fell into my lap. I was consistently going to meetings and there were two people there that I observed that I was like, they're actually doing the work. They are people that I look up to and I look forward to hearing them. And also I remember being like so nervous because after the meetings, like sometimes you stick around and chat or whatever. Yeah, coffee and donuts. Yeah, (laughs) so I would always kind of like gravitate towards this one woman who I was just like, her recovery is so incredible. And then, so I was already kind of in that space and then enter the co-sponsored person. So I'm very fortunate that I have someone else who started their recovery journey with me and we both ended up having the same sponsor. So we have this little trio and we call ourselves the Lighthouse Ladies. The Lighthouse Ladies, I love that. Shout out Lighthouse Ladies. They're the best. So I remember going to meetings and my co-sponsored person showed up and she was my age and she would just share her stories. And I'm like, I am you, you is me. Like we need to be friends because girl, I get you. So we, all three of us kind of just started chatting after meetings. And then I was like, awkwardly like, so like, if like, you want to get a sponsor, like, how do you do that? I I just, I like, what would I do? Yeah. How would I do that? (laughs) Yeah. And eventually it led to her committing to wanting to sponsor us, which is definitely not a responsibility that is taken lightly. Like she has been committed 100% to us since day one and neither of us would be where we are at in our recovery journey without her like incredible guidance. Like she has been such a rock star. So first and foremost, like the biggest thanks to this woman because she has changed my life. And so I do think I have been fortunate that I found such amazing people to support me on this journey of recovery, but I also had to show up for myself in order to find those people. So it's not just like they magically showed up in my life. Like I had to do the work and the universe, God, source, whatever presented these people with to me because I was ready and open to receive their help, guidance, and love. And that was not something that I don't just want it to be like, yeah, I was so lucky. Like I found these really great people. Hashtag blast. (laughs) (laughs) And so that has been a huge, huge part of my recovery and your sponsorship. It might look different. I know that I've had people at meetings once I moved to New York that came up to me and they're like, oh, you have a sponsor. Like, how did that work? People were like, I have like a small group and we meet and work the steps. And I'm like, that's fantastic. It might not look exactly like how my sponsorship ended up looking Because we ended up then outside of meetings, we meet every two weeks to go over the step questions and what we're struggling with that week and checking in with ourselves. So like it's a serious commitment and a big undertaking, but it's also like the most worthwhile work you will ever do in your entire life. (laughs) Okay, question, follow up question, because I know you have experience with this. We are on, I think it's week eight of being in quarantine. Goodness gracious. So I know. Anyway, so how do you, because I know you've experienced this for people who are, you know, I think we're all like sitting at home with ourselves right now because you can only, like I said, watch The Office so often. And so a lot of people I'm finding, and I think you and I just are in this circle anyway, but I'm, I'm running into a lot of people through my social feeds or my friends via text who are like finally starting to take some action on delving into some of their shit. So in the time of quarantine, how do you recommend people like stay? on top of their recovery or begin their recovery from, you know, codependency or anything. Cause I know you've had some really great anecdotes you've shared with me of like online groups or things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one good news is it appears that most meetings have taken their meetings online. So there is still an opportunity to 
check out a meeting and maybe that's a less intimidating way that like you're like behind yeah, a computer totally, screen. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that might make it seem a little bit more approachable for those people that have the fear. And also you can go to a meeting and not say anything. It's like not See, a requirement that's so that you speak. that you said that because <laughs> that, would, that would be my anxiety. Like that would be the thing that would keep me from ever going if I needed to be in a 12-step program is like the idea of having to speak to, which is funny to say on a podcast. Like. <laughs> Here you are speaking, but, so glad you are. I know, I've like talked about everything on this so far <laughs> to like all of these strangers, but then the idea of going into a room and being like, here's my feelings, like makes me want to die. So I think that's really helpful that you shared that. Yeah, and I think that you also, on that note... Yes, you don't have to share, but you're also going to get a whole lot more out of it if you do share. So I encourage you to be brave when you're ready. And also just like, again, going through recovery, I feel like it depends on what you're recovering from. I think that Mm -hmm. obviously quarantine time intensifies a lot of addict behavior. Yes. And it can be a really challenging thing depending on what you're recovering from. And even say you're recovering from codependency, but now you're stuck with your partner for (laughs) every single day of the week, which could then make it more likely that you're going to fall into enmeshment and into these unhealthy patterns that you've worked hard or that you want to start working on changing. And now you're stuck with each other 24 seven, which literally can be really challenging when trying to develop healthy boundaries. Like, because for me, I really struggled with like having my own wants and needs and desires. So I wasn't really living a life for myself. And part of my recovery has been finding ways to live for myself or finding hobbies for me, finding things I enjoy doing by myself because before I couldn't do anything unless it was with my person. So it can be kind of challenging now if you are in close quarters and in a codependent relationship that like, oh, how do I create that space for myself and whatever else? But I do think that to like the whole quarantine, everything that we're going through, I would just, and even just recovery in general, just be as kind gentle and compassionate to yourself as you humanly possibly can and muster up for yourself because this type of work is never easy and I think (laughs) I saw like a meme and it was like uh, people are now having to sit still with themselves and look internally and it's like nope just kidding okay like turn on the Netflix and it's like so easy to want to avoid it because it's like, oh, this is scary. This is hard. The world is literally forcing me to be with myself, which is something I have spent my life avoiding. Uh, Yeah, totally. And so that it can be really scary and challenging and just don't, there's no need to force anything because I think when you like, are like, I have to do this, like not much good is going to come from that. And uh, that if you are just able to figure out what tools are being helpful for you. It's like, it's so hard, especially when you're like, I remember when I first moved in with Dan, when you were living with not just like a fun roommate, but like your significant other too, you feel all this pressure to be with them all the time and that everything has to be like romantic and fun and da, 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 you know? And I think it is, yeah, it can be hard to be like, I just need my alone time or I need space or to work on these things. So yeah, I think you brought up a really good point. I think that that also was something that was like not showed to us really like that you are both two independent people that come together and choose each other because you want to like walk together through this life as opposed to becoming enmeshed with another which is just 
icky. And I feel like a lot of things that have helped me in my recovery and tools that I've used. And so maybe this is something that you can start exploring while you're in quarantine, or if you're listening to this after quarantine, just whenever it feels right for you. But like, things that I had to learn to do was I had to learn to set boundaries with myself and others, which is like one of the scariest things. And I know that that is something no matter where you are is like, extremely challenging for a lot of people just based on things I've gone to. I feel like this is something that's really common. And I would just say when healing happens, it is when we are presented with a similar situation and we choose differently. So it can be like, and again, in my recovery, it has always been a huge highlight of, okay, how do I celebrate even the smallest of wins? And so for setting a boundary, I was talking with my sister one time and she started to speak about my experience as a child. And she was telling me how I felt and what it was like for me. And I remember there was this like internal battle of like, well, who the hell does she think she is? That was not my experience. Like I'm going to tell her. And then I just had to like pump my brakes and be like, Hey, I would appreciate if when we're talking about our experiences that we stick to our own experiences without projecting what we think the other person was experiencing so that I can continue to have this conversation with you. She was like, oh, totally fine. And again, like I was fortunate, like I'm very fortunate in my family as I go through recovery. My all members of my family are extremely open-minded and very receptive to having good conversations. But I also know based on what I hear from other people, this is definitely not always the case. So I'm not saying just go and have boundaries with everybody. It's not that bad. Like, no, it's terrifying. And there's a lot of people that are not going to be receptive to you setting up new boundaries because a lot of people got things to their advantage by you not having boundaries. So true. I remember going to this talk, this was actually the one where I met the holistic psychologist, Nicole Pereira, and Vienna Ferrone, who is Mindful MFT, another person I love on Instagram, who has helped me a lot with relationships. But she had mentioned like boundaries are like a gate. And so it's okay to open the gate and let someone in. But if that ends up not being safe, not feeling safe, you don't get the response you want, you have permission to close the gate so it's not just like there forever yeah and it's a fence that has a door so you're still able to protect yourself but you're able to allow things in and out and I think that that has been an important lesson for me in understanding boundaries because boundaries can be really scary because it's like oh gosh rejection abandonment Uh, I disappointed this person I displeased this person (laughs) I'm going to go die (laughs) I um, have also done a lot of my own work on boundaries and one thing that I know I've said this quote to you a million times but a quote that really jumped out to me when I like started going into all of this work was that fences make the best neighbors, like mm. boundary, you know, and that fence can have a gate to Stacia's point, but just boundaries are really healthy. Like think about like your favorite boss or your favorite person or like I always think of people I really admire and usually they have really clear boundaries. And so it's like, oh, <laughs> imagine that. this too. <laughs> Yup. So just had to throw that in there. (laughs) Like imagine if we were taught 
that at some point in our life at all. But hey, it's never too late. It's to, never too late to learn. You can always teach an old dog new tricks. I have taught my older dog so many tricks during <laughs> Yay, uh, quarantine. So I know Maxie is just growing and living her best life. But no, it's I, it's been like Dan and I keep joking. Like you literally can teach an old dog new That's tricks. That's amazing. So. <laughs> that makes me anyway, so happy. I just went on a <laughs> went on a tangent. Sorry about that. No, uh, I continue. <laughs> So yeah, obviously boundaries, I'm sure you, if you're listening, have heard plenty of mentions on that. So any way you can start working on setting boundaries is going to be work that's really important as well as being able to spend time alone, which we touched on. So like, especially now during quarantine, because if you are in close quarters, especially even with your family, that can tend to be where we are most codependent. And so being able to have time alone, which for me just looked like walks where it was just me and my thoughts, not listening to music. So kind of like a walking meditation, like we've talked about before and spending time in inner reflection. Like I can't say enough, obviously was huge proponents of like mindfulness, journaling and meditation that those tools have been instrumental for me. And I started doing my morning pages, which is just three pages of free flow, whatever is on my mind, on my heart just ends up on the page. Sometimes it's me planning what my day is going to look like or what I want it to look like. Sometimes it's rambling about random stuff that actually has no meaning. But other times I end up having like big breakthroughs and it just allows me to have a place to put my thoughts. So being able to journal is just a really great way to start bringing awareness And awareness is really what's necessary for any step of recovery. So I highly, highly encourage. I love journaling. Journaling. So Also, I'm just going to plug myself. Yes, (laughs) please do. You have amazing resources for all of the above. I'm obsessed with journaling and I've um, made a lot of journaling resources on my website. So if you guys are looking for guidance, and I know Stacia has a lot of them too, but that was helpful for me when I started getting into journaling is like not just like I, I definitely had to work up to the morning pages that Stacia's does because that can be a lot when you're like just starting to sit with your thoughts for the first time. So I would go look for journal prompts and then couldn't find ones that I like and started making them. So I have a bunch. I will link them in the show notes for you guys. And if you have any specific types of prompts you'd like to see, please let us know. And seriously, check out Lizzie's prompts. I'm still dying because this one time I was like looking for good mindfulness stuff. That was so funny. And I googled (laughs) images and I found this one and I was like, dude, this is freaking amazing. I have to send this to Lizzie. And then I looked yeah, at Stacia it. was like, we should totally make something like this and like share it. And then she was like, and then I realized that this is from your website. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally Lizzie's resource. So like I had gone through all these different prompts and I'm like, this one, this is freaking amazing. Makes and me so happy. Lizzie. So please check them out because she is a just plethora of amazing prompts and ways to start getting more mindful because yes, the daily journaling, it is like a 30 minute commitment. And honestly, I started out with a small notebook and so my three pages only took me like 10 to 15 minutes. That's also really and good then advice. Yeah. I worked up to a bigger notebook and I'm somebody that struggled with consistent journaling. So I liked that one because for me, it ended up working because I didn't have to like think about it. It was just like you just show up for yourself. You make that commitment to yourself. You just and write whatever. Also, yeah. when it comes to recovery, making promises to yourself and being able to keep them is going to Ooh, help you point. to start trusting yourself again. And so again, you don't want to set the bar too high because then you get discouraged and are like, I'm a garbage person if you can't keep up with it. Yeah, so true. I'm not saying that like the morning pages are what's going to be the thing that works for you. But even if it's something like, 
I commit to three deep breaths every morning when I wake up. Like, however small that promise is, keeping that to yourself. So I know for me, being committed to my morning pages and doing them consistently has been super helpful on my recovery just because it's been a commitment I've made to myself and that I've kept and that that is something so important. In this vein, Stacia, this is why... Station, I created the A for the day in May challenge because it's a very simple way to show up for yourself. And, you know, we've been sharing our yays on social media, but we encourage you guys just to like pause and find a yay and you don't have to like write it down even or put it in your phone. You're just saying it to yourself. And we did that very intentionally so you can start showing up for yourself in a really approachable way. And then it just continues to grow. And I will say, you said this earlier, you were like on this train earlier, but if you have a resource that's helped you share it, because that's how like I've created all of my journal prompts is they're the ones that help me. So then I publish them and then other people have used them and you just never know what's somebody's going to really relate to. And so if something has helped you or you have found something really interesting, chances are that somebody else will also. So don't be afraid to share that love and share those resources with your fellow friends caring is caring. and humans. <laughs> it really is. So Stacia, how do you notice now that your relationships are different or how do you notice that you're able to show up in relationships now that you've been in recovery for a while and you have all of this knowledge an experience. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, all my relationships have improved tremendously. And again, I think my codependency was most prevalent in my rom- attempts at romantic relationships versus <laughs> I definitely was codependent with my friends when I was younger, but I sort of, of course, grew out of that are. a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but it was still very much so something that became extremely apparent when I was trying to be in a relationship with somebody. But I would say, I mean, It's been beautiful watching my relationship with my mom grow. We have so many open and honest conversations. She's opened up to me about what her experience as my mom was like and working the dynamic of her and my dad's relationship and which side note, they got divorced when I was 15. So that is something like being able to see them both go on to live their own life separate from each other as if high school could not be terrible enough (laughs) the classic like divorce story it's really opened up space for my mom and I to really expand our relationship in a very adult way like I just feel way more grown up I'm able to have more open and honest conversations with my friends I find myself handling conflict a lot better. Like for example, Lizzie and I going through this podcast, we've had like two very tiny hiccups, but just where both of us had feelings that we needed to share and we were able to navigate through them really respectfully, responsibly, and having the right language to be able to do that would have been non-existent before recovery for me. I was thinking that too, just like, you know, so Stacia and I, you know, we're building this out. It's taken off a lot more and a lot quicker than we thought it was going to. Which we're so excited about. Which we're so excited about. But so then there's all these things you need to like sit down and talk about of like, okay, this isn't like just like this fun project anymore. And I feel like it's, I mean, it is a fun project, but it's not like a side project, you know, it's like turning into you know you know what I mean it's evolving and I do think it's important to share that like we still have hard moments too but we had you know just some stuff we needed to talk about and as we were talking about it I I don't know about you Stacia but I was just thinking like thank god that I have gone through like so much mindfulness work and therapy because previously I would have taken offense to like any sort of feedback or any sort of like hey let's like talk out this process and it was just cool to see both of us being like 
so emotionally mature and like clearly we have both done a lot of work and we didn't it wasn't like a big scandal it was just like we need to talk through some like logistical things and it made me reflect on like past work scenarios I've been in and when I wasn't as like as emotionally aware just freaking out mm-hmm. so emotional intelligence is like massive it's hard <laughs> and it's something so massive. that will definitely change your life and codependency def- recovery from it definitely gave me the tools to become a better communicator and again there's different work that you can be doing that will take you to that same place too but that has just been such a crucial crucial piece of it is that like I'm able to have difficult conversations now. I'm able to have more open and honest conversations now. I am able to heal more relationships now. Like part of the 12 steps is making amends. And I, a story that I I wasn't even going to share, but it was just really Mm. meaningful to me was getting the opportunity to make amends with my two best friends from college. It was something I was really terrified to do because I realized that through my codependency, my lack of self-worth was so low that I didn't show up in friendships because I didn't think that I deserved their friendship. So then it just kind of made me look like a shitty friend, but it was all, it was all it was, was a reflection of my own reality. And so like, birthdays would go by where I didn't wish them a happy birthday or I would be like a week late like oh sorry or I would come home to visit and I wouldn't let them know because I just didn't think that I was important enough that they would want to take the time to see me and they're like what the fuck I wanted yeah. to see you and so they're like why yeah. is Stacia such an asshole <laughs> but really it was all that and so like they again like such a huge part of my recovery has been that I have been given the space and I am so so lucky that I have been surrounded by such amazing supportive people because my friends showed up for me in such a big way when I asked for them to hold this space for me to apologize and to own the things that this isn't how I want to show up in our friendship and they were so so kind and I know that like Again, making the amends can be a really scary part because there's the fear that they are going to reject you. So, so far, I've had nothing but like welcome and receptive people in my life. So again, like uh, it can be really scary because it doesn't always go that way. But I just really, that was such a huge part of my recovery where I was like, okay, part of the steps is owning your shit and being willing to apologize for it. And that was a huge, huge part of recovery for me. And it's so beautiful. Something else that I, this is like more unconventional advice. <laughs> Tell us. Tell but us your unconventional I think advice. That honestly, and again, that's why I think recovery is so personal or just like any type of work you're doing on yourself. Of course, yeah. And I don't care if you identify with being codependent or not. I think that we should all do these two things anyways. But these are just things that have helped me tremendously. And And uh, I would say the first one, and this I just like came up with myself, but I've seen more posts on it lately. But after I got out of that relationship, and you can do this whether you're in a relationship or not, but I started to date myself. Mm, Yes. So this was an amazing process because it allowed me space to be like, what do I want? What makes me feel good? 
And I would buy myself flowers every week because I was like, you are worthy of having nice things, Stacia. And you don't just have to settle for the bare minimum. You can have that extra, even though it was like $7. And <laughs> No, but still that feels like, I mean, you were talking a while ago about washing your face and how that was like huge. It's like, even if it's a couple dollars, it's for you. Yes. And so being able to have a relationship with yourself is just about the most important thing you can do in your life. And so this idea of dating myself just really, really helped me on my journey to get curious about what it was that I was looking for in a relationship. Like, how do I want to be treated as opposed to like, how do I want to fall in love? Like, no, I want to fall in love with the way a person makes me feel. And uh, I'm figuring out what makes me feel good by dating myself. <laughs> Love that. And so that was something that was really crucial. And then another thing, like for me, music like speaks to my soul in ways I can't even explain. I just am always constantly moved by music because it just, yeah, that's helped my journey to listen to empowering songs. But also anytime I hear a love song, I sing it as if I were singing it to myself. <laughs> and, I'm like gonna sob. And I think that that's something that's so important because we're constantly bombarded with this idea of you complete me. My life would suck without you. I wait, like I... God bless the broken road that led me straight to you. Like all these things that are like, you're not whole. You are not loved until that person comes into your life. And I believed that lie. And it is a massive freaking lie. And so now every time I hear love songs, I'm like, I just sing them to myself. And I'm like, yeah, like I won't give up on myself. I got my back. I complete yes, me. you <laughs> do. And it just has like really, really helped. And I do think like through recovery, I've had different aha moments and this morning I was reflecting on those and uh, I just like instantly started sobbing because I remember when this really hit me and uh, so I'd been doing this practice of like singing love songs to myself and I was working out and I had like a random daily mix on Spotify and then lo and behold Christina Perry, A Thousand Years comes on. And I'm like, this is like a weird ass song to work out to. But I was like, whatever. And then I was listening to the lyrics and just kind of like saying them to myself. And then like, I immediately collapsed into a ball on the floor and was just like sobbing for like 15 minutes. And I reached out to my sponsor and co-sponsored person on Marco Polo. And I, so I have the video saved of this like really poignant moment and being able to reflect on that and just this whole journey has been like so crazy because I have the lyrics here. So I'm going to show them with you guys because this is like, please do. I know it's cheesy, but this has been like, this is what has worked for me. And so the words were time stands still beauty in all she is. I will be brave. I will not let anything take away what's standing in front of me. Every breath, every hour has come to this. I have died every day waiting for you. Darling, don't be afraid. I have loved you for a thousand years and I'll love you for a thousand no. more. And like I had always heard that song as like a longing for this love that was outside of myself. And it was in that moment as I was saying those words to myself that I'm like, oh my God, like it's you. You are the person that you've been waiting for your whole life. This is the love that you've wanted your whole entire life. And I just felt it so deep within my soul as I was saying those words to myself that I was like, this is it. This is what recovery has been for. This is why I'm doing the work that I'm doing because it all comes down to 
loving yourself. And the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself because it shapes all the other relationships you have. And the way to healing is learning to reconnect with yourself before we were ever conditioned to believe that others created our sense of self. And so being able to have a sense of self and have a sense of self-worth and have a sense of self-love has been such a crucial, crucial part of my journey. Because I remember when I first went to therapy and my therapist was like, okay, well, do you love yourself? And I was like, yeah, I love myself. Like, I've been preaching self-love for years. Of course like, I, do. I love mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And he was like, okay, now say I like myself. And like instantly my throat closed up and I physically could not say the words. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even like myself. Of course I could say that I loved myself because I love everyone. It is so easy to love. And then I was like, oh, I actually hate myself. Uh, and uh, You're like, damn it. Yeah. And like, so it's like those moments like that, that I will never forget where it really was just like, it all comes down and codependency in and of itself. Like when I, I remember one of my favorite definitions of what recovery and a 12 step program from codependency is, and it's essentially a self-esteem program. So if you feel like you struggle with low self-esteem, the tools and what you do in this program help to build your self-esteem, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because once you start acting from a place of self-worth, you start asking for better things in your life and your relationships. And like life becomes so much brighter and so much joy filled. And like my, my whole world has changed in the best way possible. And that doesn't mean that I still do not have places and times where I'm an absolute wreck. (laughs) Of course not. You're human. (laughs) But the crazy part is truly and honestly is before when I would have like something bad happen, it would knock me on my ass for weeks. Like I would just become incapable of recovering. And now when I have these uh, moments where I take a dip and there's a low point, I'm able to bounce back from it so much quicker. So it is working and it is possible. And it's there's no way you can avoid suffering, but you can find healthy ways to handle the suffering. Mm-hmm. Stacia, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, sharing your soul, being so open. Your journey is just like so fucking inspiring, especially as someone who's known you for a long time. Like I have seen your evolution firsthand and it's like just such an honor to witness. And I think that people are really going to relate to this probably more than they realize. Well, I really appreciate you allowing me the space to take up two whole episodes to talk about this because I definitely had a lot to say and I still have a lot more to say. And so now that we have laid kind of the foundation of this, I'm excited to just be able to share more stories. And I know that this is kind of a big, I don't want to say coming out for me, but it's a big deal to be able to share this with everybody because it's something that I have been working really hard on for the last 15, 16 months, which is just a little like blip in the radar. But I know it's something that's going to be a part of my journey for the rest of my life now. And uh, I just also want to take a moment because I know I did it a little bit before, but I just really have to sing the praises of... uh, my sponsor and my co-sponsored friend throughout this journey, because really I am, I don't even have the freaking words that could express the appreciation that I hey, have that's for okay. them because they have been so spectacular and such a crucial part of this journey and so supportive and so loving. And it's so funny because even when I struggle still to this day to be like, you are worthy of good people. You are worthy of good relationships. You are worthy of being treated well, I am just like, 
God gave me these two people. If he can give me people this amazing, I must deserve something good in this life. And they are just like a constant reminder that it is possible and to not settle for anything less than these amazing relationships that are possible in your life. And I'm just really grateful that beyond that too, I have so many wonderful, amazing, loving relationships in my life and that we've gotten to grow closer as friends and that that wouldn't have been possible without all of this. So I'm just so grateful. I'm going to just sob for the rest of the day. I'm like so emotional. I just, I love you, Stacia. I love you too. Okay. What is your hang for the day after all of this? Hello, guys. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, I feel like uh, my... We just were double recording episodes, guys. So we just did a yay. So now (laughs) it's like, surprise, bitch, you got two. (laughs) I feel like I can just kind of piggyback on what I just said, because then I don't have to go too much in detail again. But really just super grateful for recovery and the people that have been blessed to make their way into my life, because... I really like, especially when I think about the close relationships I've had from growing up on Vashon, I know that that's not something that everybody takes away from their high school, but I have so many relationships that are lifelong bonds that these people love and support me unconditionally. And I think that if I didn't have such strong support systems growing up in my life, like good friendships and these types of things that my codependency could have taken so much more of a terrible and toxic turn and that their unconditional love, even though I didn't have it for myself, just the people who have shown me unconditional love in my life have made this life worth living. And now I have made it worth living for myself. And I'm just so grateful for that. Hell yeah, you did. Yay. So proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. So great. So amazing. And I want to hear your yay, your second yay for the day. (laughs) My second yay for the day. Hmm. So my first one was my friend's birthday party and surprise birthday parade. And (laughs) my, my second yay is just that my dogs have been bringing me so much joy. I know I've talked about this, but I got a new dog, a puppy during quarantine and and I was really, I, like, I think everybody struggling the first couple weeks of all of this and just like, what does this mean? And it brings me so much joy to just like play with my dogs and they've become best friends. And also it's a really good reminder to me to like, just get off of a screen and be in the moment, Yeah, you know, because like it's so easy to just, I think, especially in quarantine, not that I haven't done this. I've binge watched so many shows. My screen time on my phone is like 11 hours a day. I know. It's insane. I get the notification like in the morning that I've almost (laughs) hit my screen time and I'm like, I just woke up. (laughs) But it's, they've been a really good reminder to be in the moment and they like, they make me laugh so much. And I just am really thankful that we like adopted a dog. Well, adopted both of our dogs were rescues and like we're able to like bring them home and just that they remind me to be in the moment and I'm like a psycho dog mom so um (laughs) and then my like secondary yay I guess off of that I'll um link it in case you guys want to count one too but I ordered myself a paint by numbers thing of my dogs (laughs) oh my god like custom 
yes. Oh, I'm that's a psycho. beautiful. <laughs> like, yeah, I sent it in. My friend got a custom painting that she paid an obscene amount of money for of her two dachshunds. So love you, Brie. So great. But it's amazing um, that these yeah, dog moms will do for exactly their kids. Who that is. <laughs> oh, I have, oh, let me just tell you, I have a custom watercolor of Maxie that one of my friends did. So I was supporting her business. For our wedding, somebody gave me a cross stitch of Maxie. <laughs> And then I also have Maxie printed on a pillow that I sleep with. So I am, I never fucking thought I would be this person, but I am. I'm so happy you are. And I think if it were not quarantine, I would not have ordered the paint by numbers thing, but I've been really trying to practice like not being on my phone or like my computer or my TV all the time. And I was like, oh, this will be like painting. This will be fun. But it's of my dogs. So uh, that's my yay. That was so amazing. (laughs) I think that people will definitely want the link. I'm like, maybe I'll I'll just get a portrait of myself because that's do the only it. thing in you my can life. do it of anything no they like you can Love do myself. it they have all these <laughs> yes they have all these examples on the website and they like definitely are like really pumping up that you can do like your pet but there were some really cool ones they showed of people had been like on vacation and like took like a really cool picture on vacation and then would paint it you could absolutely do one of yourself also please podcast community send all the positive vibes in the world i put out an application to adopt (laughs) a sweet pupper for myself because it's been something i've wanted for like two years and so it's a nine-month-old golden retriever cocker spaniel mix which i had never heard of and essentially it just makes a miniature golden retriever which is like a dream come true Okay, both of my dogs, I have to say, are rescues and they're like mutts, but they're both like random combinations of other dogs that I like didn't know that I needed until I got both of them. So yeah, I, no, I have I'm a excited. good feeling. Me too. Yeah. So let's let's hope that this all works out. I'll keep you guys Everybody updated. flood the rescue yes. with uh, re- How amazing references I am. for station. <laughs> Please. They're going to be like, here, just take her. Tell these people to stop calling us. And our next episode, we are covering fat phobia, which is, Terrible. I mean, it's going to be a five <laughs> year long episode. Um, there's so much to talk about, but if you have questions about fat phobia, thoughts on fat phobia, anecdotes, please send them our way to our Instagram, which is always linked in the show notes, or you can also email us via our website, which I'll link in the show notes as well. And just remember, hey, you got this. And we love you. See you we next love you. week.